One of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, we, we came up in an uh, environment where we didn't have a whole lot. And some of you may have been the same way. And, you know, Pastor's been doing this uh, series on caring, and it's really been touching because it reminds me of the past, the way we came up. It reminds me of where we are now and also what God wants to do in the future. But in, in, in thinking about caring and thinking about um, meeting the needs of others, not just the physical part, but the spiritual part as well, I started thinking about some things, and we're going to just see how all this ties in with what uh, we've been talking about, uh, do you really care? And uh, loving people and being attentive and, and uh, looking at just getting deeper into caring about other people. I remember when I was coming up, there were a lot of things that we didn't have and we did without. And some of you guys probably can attest to this as well. Um, we didn't have an air condition. So what we did is we had to uh, use what we had. And that may have been a ceiling fan, it may have been a box fan, it may have been a fan. You may have been open your doors, let the windows up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you may do with what you had. We also didn't have indoor plumbing. And um, that's kind of when I was younger, we didn't have indoor. So indoor plumbing, that, you know, that means that you don't have running water. So anybody know, and I know some of you guys may not know, Brittany, you guys are small, young, young, y'all young, young whippersnappers don't know anything about this, so y'all just pay attention. Um, but we didn't have indoor plumbing, so that means we had an outhouse. Anybody know what an outhouse is? Yeah. And see, it means that if you didn't have indoor plumbing sometimes, well, we didn't have like a bathtub or a shower, so we had a, something called a number two tub. So we learned how to wipe off. How, how many know what I'm talking about? All right, see, I got some, I know, look at the young people look like, I don't know what that is, a number two? You talking about a number two pencil or a tub? No, but we made do. We had to use what we had. And I don't know, you know, I thought about, too, how there were times we didn't even have toothpaste to brush our teeth. But we used baking soda and salt. That was before all this toothpaste came out with baking soda. See, we started this a long time ago. And some of us could have got rich, but we didn't know. But we used what we had. And then I thought about how sometimes, you know, we didn't have uh, canned biscuits. But, you know, my grandmother, Mama, we call her Mama Lee, but she made, went in there and she put the flour and the, the salt and a little sugar and a shortener and put some milk in there and, and baking powder and made something called homemade biscuits. But we used what we had. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So all of this, I started thinking about it, and it led me to the message of what we want to talk about tonight. Turn with me to John 6, chapter verse 1. And we're just going to look at something. This is a passage of scripture we've heard over and over again, and we've heard several times. Um, but let's see, I, I, I believe that no matter how many times we see the scripture here, that God can always speak something new within our spirit. John, the sixth chapter, verse one, and we're going to use the King James Version for me, please. Let's read, and we're going to read this together. Let's read. After these things, Jesus went over uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles. Everybody say, saw his miracles. Let's read together. Which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, 
And there he sat with his disciples. Keep reading. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, were nigh, nigh or near. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fish as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of the truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to, to make him a king, he departed again in a mountain himself alone. Guys, what I want to talk about just briefly tonight, and, and again, we're just going to go through the scriptures. We're going to let scriptures interpret scripture. But we just want to see what, what, what is God saying to us tonight. We're going to use this subject, use what you got. Everybody say, use what you got. Now, let's make it personal. Let me just say, I have to use what I have. Well, I'm glad you said that. Now, this passage of Scripture over in John is actually recorded in all four Gospels. And uh, every one of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is one event, but they all give a different account of this one event. And we understand that the, the Scripture, everywhere in Scripture, is penned by the Holy Spirit. So there's no error in it. It's just the fact that the Holy Spirit used four different men to pen one event and tell us different things about that event. But what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to see what John says. And I believe with everything within me, and even as I was studying all this, I was, I was just literally asking the Lord, how do I put all this together? Because I wanted to go to Matthew, show you that, Mark, show you that, Luke, show you that. But I knew I wasn't going to have enough time unless we were going to keep going over this until Jesus come back. So I had to make this short, and I have about 32 seconds, so I got to sum all this up. So I, but I did think that this was really important that this is the only miracle that Jesus did that's recorded in four of the gospels, all four of the gospels. And, 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 and so there has to be something that God wants us to get out of this because God just doesn't say things and do things and just to do it. He's always purposeful in what he does in and through our lives. So let's look at this. John is the author. 
And we know that he's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he's writing to inspire not only the Christians, but he's also writing to inspire non-Christians, those who are searching and searching and not sure of what they're searching for. And John gives us specifically why he's writing this. Guys, uh, put up John, the 20th chapter, verse 31 through, no, 30 and 31. Put that up. And this is why, why John said he's writing this book, the gospel. He said, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. In other words, it's more than just what he recorded in John and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what they recorded. It's more. But he said that there's many more signs um, that he did which are not written in this book. The next verse. But these are written, meaning these signs, these miracles, these things that Jesus Christ did, he said, these are written that they may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing ye may have life through his name. In other words, John is saying that I'm writing this so that believers that, that not only in that time, but in the time to come, can believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. And that we can have eternal life through him. Now, guys, this is huge because in our society now, we're, we don't know that everyone is trying to make the truth a lie and a lie the truth. So I'm telling you, as believers, we better get to the point that we have something to stand on as our foundation. So when we're faced with all this crazy stuff, we can be assured that there's no error in the word of God. Now, John, in his writing, John does something a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But what he does is he writes about the signs and miracles that Jesus Christ did. Now, in John, he records the first sign of the miracle that Jesus did. Anybody know what that is? Some of, some of y'all drink it. There you go. Turn water into wine. Not that you drink water, but some may be drinking wine. I don't know. And then you may say Jesus turned it into, I, I, I don't know. But that was his first miracle where he turned water into wine. And then also John records about the healing of an official son. John also um, talks about and he records how Jesus healed a, um, my, a man that was born blind. He talked about how um, a lame man began to walk and how they walked on water and how Jesus rose from the dead and he died. He gives all that. And he does it, keep in mind, he does this so that he can establish and prove that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. So now this brings us to our scripture that we just read over in John um, the sixth chapter. Let's go, let's look at a couple things as we go through this. And we're just going to see, we said use what you got. What does that mean? How does that apply? How does that even apply to Karen? How does that apply to my own individual life? What do you mean? What do you mean when you say that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because when we look at this chapter, guys, take me back, back to verse 1, and we're just going to scroll down through it uh, and run with me. We see in uh, John here is starting, and Jesus has actually gone and got into the ship or the boat and went over, and he was on the shore of Galilee. He went across the Sea of Galilee, and now he's on the shore. But something is going on here, and we want to look at it. And the next verse says that as he's going over there, one passage of scripture uh, in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, says that some of the multitudes got there before he did. 
But John records that a great multitude followed him. Now, why did they follow him? They saw the miracles. Now, guys, this is going to be particip uh, participation, participatoria uh, sermon, so I'm going to ask questions, and I want feedback, okay? So I'm going to say, hallelujah, you're going to say? Okay, I'm going to say up, you're going to say? There you go. I'm going to say left. There you go. All right, we, we got it. Okay, so the multitudes were following Jesus because they saw what he could do or had done. Now, I want to pin there, stop there just for a second, because one of the dangers in this that, that we find, and if you read down through the, uh, John, the sixth chapter, verses 51 to 52, you're going to see that some of this multitude that we're going to be talking about, they're following him here, but then they turn to leave him. So it's, it's, it's a danger in following Jesus only because of what he can do for you. I want somebody to get that. And now no one knows that but you and your God. But we have to make sure that our love for God is more than just what he can give us. What's in his hand? God wants our heart. It's nothing like seeing a beautiful young lady or a handsome young man on the outside, but then he's no good on the inside. Don't it just do something to you? And that's the same way that God is saying he wants us to be, he, not that way, but he's wanting us to follow him, not because of his miracles and his signs and his wonders, but he wants us to follow him because we love him. Now, but these, these guys here, this multitude, this crowd, they were following him because Jesus, had, he, this dude was bad, guys. He was walking, going around, healing the sick, the lame. Like I say, some of you guys, I know, I feel it in my spirit. Some of you, at the moment, at that wedding, when he turned water into wine, you would have been saying, Jesus, I'm following you wherever you go. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. But they followed him because of he was healing. He was, he was doing things. Now, the next verse tells us that Jesus went up into the mountain. He sat there with his disciples. We know, and I said this earlier, get this, God and, and, and our Father, and Jesus Christ, our big brother and our savior, never does anything in our lives just to do it. If things are happening, if we're places right now, we're in situations, sometimes we think it's of the devil. And sometimes it may, it may be of our own choices, our own choice. But sometimes, have you ever thought about that we may be where we are because God allowed it to happen? And there's something that he wants to do in our lives? Now, he's sitting here with the disciples, and when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it talks about he's sitting there teaching them because he was preparing them for what was to come. And he wanted them, they actually saw him do all these things, but what Jesus was doing was trying to prepare them for what they were going to do. He wanted them to participate in his walk. And that's what God is saying to us, too, that he wants us to participate in his kingdom and not just be spectators, but participators. So he sat there in the mountain. They were, they were sitting there with his disciples. And the next verse says, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. And, 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 I, and I asked God, 
even in my study time, now, God, why did you put that there? And I really believe that, of course, we know Passover was a celebration. It was a great celebration that the Jews uh, celebrate because of how God had redeemed them and uh, spared their lives. And it was something that they always celebrated. So a, a lot of times when there's a celebration, Whatever it may be, it puts your mind in the framework to be able to listen and to be able to receive whatever it is that's going on that, that's near or dear to that particular event. So what Jesus, and we're going to see this in a second, he's going to use all of this, the Passover coming, the celebration coming forth, he's going to use all of that as an opportunity to show who he is. Now, let's look at the next verse, um, verse 5. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company, uh, a great crowd. And this, look at this. I, I, man, he can ask some questions. He, he saw these guys, and then he said unto Philip, When shall we buy uh, bread that these may eat? Now, what in the world was he saying? In other words, he's saying, Where can we buy some bread to feed all these people? Now, why did he ask Philip? And I thought about that because any time that you study, you need to ask questions of the text. And, and when you start digging, he asked Philip because Philip was actually from a town that was about nine miles from where they were. So if anybody knew where food would be, you would ask Philip. That's just like if anybody want to know where to get good ribs, who in the church you going to ask? Thank you. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a given. So he asked Philip. You know, hey, hey, Philip, hey, man, you, you got all these people, um, and where can we buy them some food? Now, again, over Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what it says is the disciples actually looked at all the people and said, Jesus, go send them away so they can go get their food. And one verse it says, send them away so they can go get provision for what they needed. In other words, let them take care of themselves. But in, in, in Matthew, I, believe, I think it was Matthew's account, it shows God, Jesus' compassion on that crowd. But even though John doesn't mention so much the compassion, we see that Jesus did have compassion because he was concerned about what they were going to eat. Now, how many of you know, and this is kind of the scenario, they were there in a uh, desert, I mean, uh, secluded place. Jesus has actually taught the disciples, I mean, not only the disciples, but this crowd he was teaching. And it's getting late in the evening, and they hadn't eaten anything. How many of you know you don't keep just teaching, and you got people hungry? Everybody in here be doing this, <laughs> trying, trying to tip out because we're hungry. And just like I got common enough, I mean, got common sense to know when my 21 minutes up, it's time for me to sit it on down because it's time to go. But what, what, what happened is this. So the disciples and, and also the people, the multitude, they had been there with Jesus a while. And now they got hungry. And Jesus recognized that. Now, the good thing about this, and again, John didn't really bring this out as much as the other gospels, but they did bring it out, that Jesus dealt with a spiritual matter, and then he dealt with the physical part of who they were. And guys, I want to pin there just for a second because that's important when it start to, we start talking about care. Because we can't meet the physical part without dealing first with the spiritual. And that's the same way even in our own individual lives. There are some things that we're trying to handle that's physical, we think. 
But some of it may be spiritual, and we don't even realize it. Next verse. So he asked Philip this question. Now, he asked Philip this, and, and, and the scripture is very clear here. He said, he said it, and this he said, talking about Jesus said, to prove him, for he himself knew. In other words, he said it to test Philip, because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And sometimes what Jesus will do is, and we saw this, where God did this even to the children of Israel, the Israelites, the Israelites over in the wilderness, he was testing them. And guys, in this passage of scripture, the reason I, I find this so fascinated is, fascinating is because Jesus already knew what he was going to do, what miracle he was getting ready to perform. His disciples didn't know, the crowd didn't know, but he did. And again, he's testing, he's proving them because sometimes when we find ourselves in a situation and there's no humanly possible answer for it, what we do, we skip over Jesus and we go to other stuff. And let me show you what I'm talking about. So he, he, he's saying this to test them. Next verse. So Philip answered him. So now Philip's showing really where he is. He, he's saying now, that, and, and Jesus again already knew that there was no humanly, uh, a human solution to what he asked uh, Philip. But Philip's still trying to come up with an answer. He said, now, listen, do we, um, can we have 200 pence, uh, penny worth of bread? And he said, you know, this is not sufficient for them. You know, what will this, in other words, Peter said, I mean, Philip saying this, it would take us months to work to get enough money to feed all these people. We don't have enough money to feed all these people that you're asking us to feed. Jesus, where are we going to try to get enough money, enough resources, enough food in order to feed these people. Now, God, Jesus already knew that they didn't have enough. But Philip, what he does is he began to look and start trying to figure out, how can I get this solved? Or can I get it solved? Uh, you know, Jesus just asked me this question. Think about it now. Jesus is asking you, you know, how are we going to feed all these people? You know they're hungry, and you are the one that they have to, you feel like you got to come up with the answer. Have you ever been at work and your, your supervisor, your boss, asked you something that maybe you didn't know the answer, and you just started just making up stuff, and you just, just started just talking, and, and, you know, even you said to yourself, even you didn't say it out loud, you're like, boy, that don't even make sense. You, and, but you're just talking, but as long as you keep your mouth closed, you look smart. The moment you open it up, and you know you don't know what you're talking about, everybody else going to know too. You just gave yourself away. But anyway, um, so now he's, 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 Philip is thinking about this. Now, I really believe that there are times that God will actually put us in situations that will limit, that we really have limits. Because God is always trying to tell us we are limited in a lot of situations, but he's not. He's not limited, and, and this is the thing that we have to understand, that he can actually do miracles with the resources that we can't do anything with. 
And sometimes we forget about that, that there is, there's a miracle that God really wants to perform in our individual lives, but we're still trying to get in the way because we're trying to figure out how to get this solved. Look at the next um, verse here as we roll through this. And then as uh, Philip thinking about, you know, I bet he was over there thinking, you know, well, how do we get, feed all these people? And guys, I, I, want us, I want to try to make this as real. I believe that Christ is really trying to make this as real as you can possibly get. Because sometimes when we read this passage of Scripture, we really, believe, we really forget about how many people 5,000 is. And it's over. It's really over because it, one, one pastor said it was 5,000 men. So that's not include the women and children. So as you go through this, I really want you, the the Holy Spirit is really trying to get you to grasp what he's saying here. So now one of his disciples, now, and this was interesting because Andrew, these are the guys that's been with him. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon um, Simon Peter's brother said unto him, what did he say in the next verse? There's a lad here. Everybody say a young boy. What does this boy have? Small. And that's, as we go through, he had a a, a young lad, five barleys or uh, loaves, what we call maybe bread, and two small fish. Because he was a lad. He wasn't a man. That's all he had. Now, we're going to see that we're going to be in. And as we go through this, a couple things I want to look at, even in this scripture, and just stay right there on that one. I want to mention, because a lot of times we we look at the young boy, and we're going to spend a lot of time on him, but I want to look at Andrew too. So first, let's look at the uh, the boy, and I want you to jot this down, because I'm I'm talking about use what you got. And sometimes as we're teaching about caring and pastors teaching, some of us may feel like I don't have anything to give. I'm trying to care about somebody else, but I need care myself. And that's the wrong mindset that Jesus is trying to get us to realize and God is trying to give us to realize that everybody got something that they can give. Everybody. And we're talking about use what you got. So let's first start with the little boy. What, what about this boy? First thing I want you to write down, he was willing to share his lunch. Now, you think about this. Most little kids don't like to share anything. And some adults don't. Especially when it comes to food. So the little boy or the young lad, he shared. He was willing to share. He wasn't selfish. The next thing I want you to write down is he brought what he had. And that made all the difference. He brought what he had. And that's what God wants us to do, even when we come into the service when, on Wednesdays and Sunday. Bring what you got. I don't believe that you have to leave your cares outside and then you pick them back up. No, I believe you bring all your cares, every last one of them, here to the altar. And you leave them here. I don't believe you have to stop uh, listening and thinking about what's going on, and then when you leave out, you pick it back up. No, that's what the, that the church is for. That's what ministry is for. When you come in, you should be burdened, but when you leave out, you should be different. Because when you come in, it's the fact that I know I came this way, 
Now, I don't have to come burden, but you may. But if you come, you come into the right place. If you find yourself in a stronghold or you got a yoke around your neck, you, you got an addiction, this is the place that you want to come. So we see here that the young boy, young boy, he shared his lunch, and he brought what he had and made it, all, and that made all, the, made all the difference. The next thing that I want you to put down is we see this is where we see God works through people. No matter how we try to um, minimize this, our role, God left us here so he can work through us. I guarantee you when that little boy came and with the multitude of crowd, he didn't come with the expectation that somebody was going to jack him for his lunch or steal his lunch. He didn't, he didn't think that. But that's the good thing about God. A lot of times God operates in the unexpected when you least expect him to work. When you least expect him to tell you to give something, that's when he'll tell you to give. And the last thing that I want you to write down about this little boy is there's no barrier. You didn't see. It said young. It, age wasn't a barrier. And I thought about that because sometimes when we're young, we think, okay, we're, we're too young to, to live for Christ. When we get older, we think we're too old. We, we, we're tired and we wore out. Guys, I'm, I'm under the mindset and impression. I've been telling several people this. I don't plan. I plan to retire from LSU, but I always plan to work somewhere. Now, working may not be the same type of work, but my, I feel like God had called, has called me to serve until he calls me home. Now, that may be serving in the flower bed, lifting up, picking up trash. I don't know what it's going to be, but my, my mindset is not ever to stop doing what God has called me to do. Now, I believe those things that he called me will change. I don't believe that I'll be doing in ministry what I'm doing now all my life, but whatever it looks like, I want to be available for him to use me. So what does that say? That means that no matter what age you're in, you are that's sitting in this place, you are valuable to God. And God has a purpose for you. Now let's look at uh, Andrew. So the little boy, he was willing to share his lunch. He brought what he had that made all the difference. We see how God used people. Uh, age wasn't a barrier. You're not too young or you're not too old. Uh, to be ser being serviced by God. Now, let's look at Andrew, and this is where I want to spend some time on um, just a couple minutes. Now, I found this really interesting because, interesting because in verse uh, 9, well, actually, maybe in verse 8, verse 8, it says specifically, King James said, and one of his disciples, and then it said, Andrew. And you would think that if you are a disciple of Jesus, and you had seen all these miracles and signs that he had done. He had turned water into wine. He healed the um, official son. He uh, made a lame man walk. You saw all of this. You would think that Andrew wouldn't have a problem when you said that there were five barley loaves and two fish that God can make away with that. But Andrew doubted. He disbelieved that God could actually use something so small or insignificant to feed something so great or so big. He doubted. So what, what, and, and why did I say that? Because if you look at what Andrew said, Andrew said, what are they meaning the five loaves and two fish? What good is this to feed? What, what do you think this is going to do? Think about this. His own disciples. 
didn't had a problem with. So I, my question, and just write this down, my, my question to you on that is, are you an Andrew? Should your name be changed to Andrew tonight? And just write down, am, am I a Andrew? Now, that doesn't make sense whatsoever uh, as far as the grammatical um, uh, writing of that, but you get what, I'm, get what I'm saying. Should your name be changed to Andrew? Do you doubt that God can take something small, something that seemed to be insignificant, and meet your need? Do you think that, that, that everything that he does that it, it doesn't really concerns you or that maybe Jesus don't care? Do you think the problem or the situation that you're facing is really too big? Because, you know, after all, you know, Jesus, you're not here in 2018. You're not physically here, but, you know, can you really do this? Whatever it is, are you really the Andrew that coming to church on Wednesday and Sundays you singing in the choir, you playing the keyboard or the drums, or you're on the usher board, or you're preaching, or you're a deacon, or you're sitting in the pews, or wherever you may be sitting or coming, or you coming and you seeing, but you really don't believe that what the word says and God keeps his promises? Are you walking in disbelief and you're asking God to prove to you who he is? And this is the thing, uh, Andrew had seen what Jesus had done. He's seen over and over, but Andrew really shows what he believed. He, he started saying, what difference will this make? Are you, are you one of those individuals that's saying, you know, pastor's te teaching about this caring, but when, when he starts saying about sharing my home, I'm not sharing my home with anyone because I've been hurt, I've been disappointed, I've been let down. I, you know, I only help those who help themselves. What is it that you're saying? Or you, a Andrew. And when, when Andrew said this, he really... What he was doing is because Jesus already knew what he was getting ready to do. But what Andrew did not realize is that Jesus really is Jehovah Jireh. And anybody know what that? I want you to write this down because I don't want you to forget this. We say it all the time. But when we say the name Jehovah Jireh, it's talking about Jesus. He's my provider. He provides for me. He takes care of me. Do you really know him as a provider? And, and so Andrew, without even knowing it, he sets up the, um, that, that, that perfect scenario for Jesus to work here. So let's move on down in verse 10. It, it says, that, uh, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, in other words, now he's getting ready to prove who he is. Because remember I told you in John's writing, he writes about Jesus' miracles and his signs and his wonders. So now he's getting ready to prove to Andrew, to Peter, and to all the disciples that are there, he's getting ready to prove to them who he really is. And I don't realize whether or not, and every time I read this, I don't think sometimes we get how awesome this is because Jesus, and the, and the scripture says something here that I find awesome as well. Well, I find all of it awesome, but he says, make the men sit down. 
Now, I, I thought about that. Why, why you want to sit down? Then he said, there's grass in this place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. I want to stop there just for a second. Because before sometimes Jesus can do something in our lives, the things that he wants us to do, not only do we have to give him what we have or use what we got, but there are times that Jesus will say, sit and be still. And some of us move too much. We, we just go on. We busy, busy, busy. But Jesus tells them to sit and be still. And then he tells them, he says, sit down. Because I'm only going to ser- serve those who sit down. And we're going to see that in just a second. But this is the other thing he tells them. He says, now, not only are they sitting, but he, he gives this scenario. He, say, he tells them they're sitting on green grass. And I thought about that because I thought about Psalms 23. It said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, that green pasture is my, it's my place of refuge, my provision. So the things that I'm going through, I really, I can go through it because everything I need is right there. It's green. The grass is not dead. So somebody need to get this, that, that Jesus is actually placing them in a place where provision is already there. The table has been set. But sometimes we can't stay at the table because we don't want to sit down. Some of us want to eat standing up. And God is telling you, sit down and wait. Why is that important? Because the next part tells us not go keep going on. Because now keep in mind, he's telling them to sit down, sit in a place, sit in a place that I prepare for you. I prepare for you. And then he tells them the next verse, verse 11. And then after they sit, he prepares, he tells them where to sit. Then this is what Jesus did. And then in, over in John, Matthew, Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it talks about that he takes the bread and he blesses it. This one, he says he takes the, and he thanks, he gives thanks. In other words, when Jesus already knew that five barley loaves by themselves could, could not feed 5,000 plus people. He knew that. But what he also knew is he had a God who did miracles, who performed miracles, who can make something out of nothing and who can take nothing out of something and he can turn all that stuff around and make everything that he needs to make in order to benefit his people. So what he does is he takes the load and the loaves and he, he begins to think and thank his God. And I can imagine Jesus saying something like, God, you know, you see these people here who need, have needs and you know that they're hungry. You know that they, that they are, they're here, some of them for the wrong reason. But I ask you right now in the name of Jesus to pull bread out of bread, out of bread, out of bread, out of bread, so that not only will they have enough, but they have more than enough. So now, come on, come on now. So now, what he does, he distributes. After he gives things, he distributes to the disciples. And then the disciples, look what it says. Because if you were standing up, you didn't get served. It said, and the disciples, come on, read it with me. And the disciples to them that were, sa- what, what? What, what? So you mean if you was one that was going to be disobedient, I ain't sitting in that grass. Hmm. I'm allergic to grass. I have allergies. <laughs> you weren't going to get a blessing. And that's what God is saying to some of us. He's trying, guys, don't you know how much he cares? Wow. 
Don't you know how much he cares for you? He cares so much that what he did is he saw their need. He didn't just talk about it. He saw their need, and he said, okay, I'm going to take this bread. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to give it to the disciples, and disciples, you actually give to all those that are sitting down. And then this is what the scripture said. He said that they ate so much, they ate until they got full. You know how sometimes you may go to somebody's house and they only, it's five of you and they cook five pieces of chicken. That's it. <laughs> if that piece didn't fill you up, oh, well, you better look for You better drink you some water. <laughs> uh, Pastor and I always have this joke. And, and when we go to, we go to lunch almost every single day. And guys, y'all pray for us. I, I don't know what it is. And, and, and we start out with these lunches, you know, $12, $15. But then we start noticing they start, itch, they start increasing, like $20 and $30 and $40. And I'm not going to tell you how much they won the other day. And we both just looked at us. we like, this only makes sense. For lunch, we get an appetizer, an entree, a dessert. And then we get something. We don't get liquor, but we get something to drink, like water or lemonade. So I want to make sure <laughs> I clear that up. But we eat a whole meal whole meal. And, and, and we always have leftovers, you know, more than love. So this wasn't like when you go to somebody's house and they just cook just enough. It said in the scripture that they were filled. In other words, they had plenty. And then he told the disciples, he said, listen, go and gather up the pieces of the fragments that's left over because we don't want nothing left. The next verse. And then he, he actually begins to tell them, in verse 13, that, that uh, and again, about the baskets, and he said that they ate till they, they were full, the last verse, verse 14. Then those men that were, had seen this miracle, meaning the crowd, the multitude, then what they began to say, that, hey, this is the prophet. This really is who he say he is. Now, guys, what does all this mean? And finally, um, go to verse 15 for me. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force, he actually, to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself, um, by himself, and, and, and left. So what does all this mean? Uh, use what you got. I'm glad that you asked. Let's sum it up. God is just saying to EBC, if we're going to be a church that literally sits up on the hill, a light that cannot be hidden, that shines in a dark world so that people can see us, God is challenging us to change. We can't keep doing ministry like we used to. And when the word comes forth, we have to have, an, we literally have to have ears to hear the word. That the blindness of our eyes may be taken off. Not just that we hear, but that we also become doers of God's word. Now, in this passage of scripture, we see how the boys lunch, five loaves and two fish. It seemed in itself to be insignificant. But what I want to tell you tonight, and I'm going to kind of leave you with this, is that in the hands of Jesus, there's nothing that's insignificant. It can become more than enough, whatever you need. A lot of times we feel like when we give to Jesus or we give to the Lord or we give to the church or we give to the ministry or we give to someone else, we feel like we're giving everything away and that God is not going to give us anything back. But this is the thing, a closed hand can't get anything else in it. But when you open your hand to give out to others, it puts you in a position that God can give to you. And God is just telling us, use what you got. 
everybody in here, everybody, is significant to Christ. And God is saying that he really wants to use you. He wants, he wants to use you, but he also wants you to use what you got. And you may say, well, I don't have a lot, but you do. You have God's word, you have God's power, you have God's authority, and you have God's Holy Spirit. And guys, I'm telling you this, and I'm closing. This is my third closing, I think. And I'm closing with this. One morning, I was out walking, and I, and I shared it with someone. It may have been uh, Zonda or Pastor. I can't remember. I was out walking, and, and, and after my study time, and God really hit. It, it was like just a revelation. And God said that you can't do this stuff on your own. You have to be empowered by my Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we're trying to do things on our own, and we're trying to get it, and we're trying to go through the motion. But you can't love on your own. You can't even have peace and joy and happiness, meekness, kindness, and patience. All of that is the fruit of the Spirit, which the, the Spirit is what gives you the power. That's the only way we can do this. And I'm telling you this, and if, if you're sitting here, and your passion for God isn't what it needs to be. God already knows it. He know it. And God is trying, this is the thing, even with uh, Simon, uh, with um, Philip, and also even with Andrew, he didn't dog them out, but he just showed them because he's so compassionate with us. But I want to, this is what I want to do tonight as I, as I close and as we get ready to end. I want to just give an appeal that if your passion is not where it needs to be, and I'm talking about the things of God, I'm not talking about church. You may come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. You may do everything that you're asked to do. But you know within yourself that your passion for him is just not where it needs to be. And there are some things that God wants to do in this body. And this is the thing that it, it doesn't matter about your education. This, this word that we study, let me tell you something. It, it's... God has no respect of person. God doesn't give Brother Charles revelation and won't give it to Danny. He doesn't give it to Cassandra and won't give it to Bobby. The, the revelation of his holy word will come to anyone who wants to know it. And I hear some of you guys, and I've heard this so many times where I read and I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. But this is the thing. There are a lot of things that you may not get and you may not understand. But if you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, and you, you keep going, you keep going, the Holy Spirit will see how awesome and how hungry you are for him. He'll, be start, he'll start dropping things in your spirit and giving you understanding. Because what God wants to do in our lives, nobody can do it. This church can't do it. You make up the church. So if you're not passionate and we're not passionate about the things of God, God is going to be limited here on earth. Not because he doesn't have the power and authority, but because he wants to use us. God wants to use us. He wants to use you. And it doesn't matter. You may say, well, I was never good in school. I can't read. I can't write that well. It doesn't matter. It's some, God can take uh, something small and make something large and great out of it. We are limiting. We, we, sometimes we put limits on God when God is saying, I have no limits. God has put dreams and, and visions in some of you guys, and because it hadn't happened, you're about to give up. And God said, no, 
keep going because I'm trying to prune you. I'm trying to get some things out of you so that you can come out looking like me. It's too long we look like our parents, our mom and dad. God is saying it's time for you to look like me. Reflect my image, reflect my glory in everything that you do and everything that you say. So this is the appeal. No music. It's just whosoever will who really serious about this. I want you to come and we're going to stand and we're going to pray. For those who really want to have a passion for Christ, and right now your passion is not there. Don't try to fool me because I, it's not about me. This has nothing to do with me. God is just saying, I'm, I'm just a messenger delivering what God has said in this place tonight. And I know that we didn't miss it. I know that there's some of you that sitting here that God has put things in your hand and in your spirit that you're not using what you got. So for those that really want we're, gonna, we're not going to be all night. We're just going to give you a couple seconds. Come on. Come on. Now, I want us to come to the all. Come on. And it, this is not for everybody, but this is for the ones that really just, you know you need a boost right now because you're struggling. And if God came back right now, you, if he looked at you, you know that you, there would be some things that would be displeasing to him because we just haven't done. We failed him in so many different areas. But that's okay because God's love for us is so great. Anyone else? We got a couple more minutes and then we're praying. And guys, this is what I want you to do. I want, as I'm praying, I want you to pray as well. And I want you to honestly ask God to just use what he's given you, to help you to use what he's given you to bring glory to his name. And everything that right now that you're struggling with, I want you to put it on the altar. And you may say, well, I put it on the altar before. That's okay. Put it on there until you get delivered from it. Don't ever get tired of coming before your God. God cares about everything that we go through. Let's pray. God, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And God, as we stand before your presence, we trust you. God, we believe that you literally are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But we also believe.